0: This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. Today, I'm your host, Kara Shamborski, filling in for Mike Rappin. And I am joined by two silly detectives in bowler hats. Welcome, Brian Murray and Nick White. Ahoy hoy. Hey. So it's been a long and crazy summer. We've been uh, taking a few weeks off. Uh, I would say enjoying life and existence and everything. But by that, I, of course, mean being completely obsessed with the Barbie movie. At least that's been my summer so far. Uh, But we're going to get into some things, talk about some comics. I'm really excited that I got to choose the topic for today, and I'm going to make you guys talk about Tintin, one of the most famous Franco-Belgian comic series and one of the few that's widely available in the English language. But uh, before we get into it, how have you been? How have comic books been? How has your summer been? Let's start with you, Brian.
1: I've been pretty good, uh, just trying to stay cool in the in the temperature sense. I have never and never will be cool in the <laughs> good to be around sense.
2: Uh but... The self esteem meter is starting in the poor <laughs> section today. Apparently, we're gonna... starting the show strong. <laughs> we're we're heading towards good, but we're we're not there yet.
1: Yeah, definitely don't go say nice things about me in the Discord. I'd hate that. (laughs) Uh, I I did get a comic I've been looking forward to for a long time, though I found out about this comic back in, like, January or something. Uh, But it finally came out back in June, and that is Starfinder Angels of the Drift. Uh, The first issue of that came out. This is written by James L. Sutter with art by Edu Mena. Um, the, The pitch from... The Paizo, which is the publisher of the Starfinder game, their website pitch is, A bold crew of adventurers must race to an isolated world to stop a catastrophic war for faster-than-light technology. And I, I love a, a high-stakes space romp. It's, it, it, it's hitting all the Star Wars switches in my brain and just triggering that same uh, serotonin flow um but this book really like captured the 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 same feel i get when i'm playing the game of like this is a a wide arcing space fantasy like science fiction fantasy mashup you've got you know talking rat people talking dragon people sentient robots and this is all in the first 15 pages
2: I'm sorry, like the moment you're like, it really captures the spirit of the game. I was like, oh, are there like five pages where you're arguing whether or not it's slashing damage? It's like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a whole yeah. book. Yeah, and now,
1: now, it... the section where we had to figure out the grappling rules, that was a little a little weird. But
0: <laughs> God wait. is wait, is Starfinder that game that was like so yep, popular in one. korea that I'm it was scared. like obliterating people's like social lives or whatever Am that is that, up? that
1: is starcraft
0: oh different star game okay what's this one tell me about this one brian
1: this this is uh so paizo is a ttrpg tabletop role-playing game publishing company um basically in competition with wizards of the coast uh wizards does dnd paizo does pathfinder and now starfinder as of six years ago it still feels like it just came out to me but it's been six years
0: so this isn't a video game this is a game that physically exists on your tabletop
1: yeah this this is your your standard nerds and dice tabletop game
0: i was gonna say we're like another another level deep on nerddom here (laughs) like coming right out of the gate. what did you do this (laughs) summer well i uh hit a new level of nerdiness what's up
1: (laughs) yeah as as you should have come
2: to expect from me by now
0: <laughs> as you record from your actual basement thanks for that brian yeah.
2: <laughs> now brian have you read the pathfinder comics as well or or not or is that something you want to or you have no interest in or or i haven't i've
1: definitely bought a bunch of them okay. i got like a, a humble bundle not that long ago that had a bunch of pathfinder comics in it it might have been it might have been that long ago <laughs> i don't remember when it was
0: so Brian, is this Starfinder comic a comic that, for example, I would be able to read not knowing anything about the game?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't have the same experience that I did of going like, oh, hey, I know that species. Oh, hey, I know that god that they mentioned. But I think it could still be a, a fun science fantasy romp.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm down for a romp, you know. <laughs> so- we love
1: a romp here at I, I Read Comic Books.
2: <laughs> it's it's just fun to see Paizo just continuing to... To pump stuff out and try to capitalize on the uh gosh how long has it been now four or five months since uh wizards of the coast was threatening to um pack up their toys and uh you know leave the playground yeah
1: for since since whatever wizards most recent cock up was
2: yeah yeah
1: i'm sure there will have been another one in the last six months, regardless of when you listen to this episode,
2: yeah, ba- basically for those unaware, the maximum, eldr is Wizards of the Coast. Basically, was like, hey, what if we found a way to make more money by, um uh, exploiting our user base, and then all of the other competitors of Wizards were like, we're going to take this opportunity and just try to capitalize. Because Brian isn't isn't Dungeons and Dragons roughly like. 89% of the TTRPG market. I'm sure the percentage isn't completely right, but it's. I thought
0: it's you were going to start talking yeah, about the Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> it's
2: like, oh, wait. we could. We could. <laughs> no, it not yet. Good. I haven't hey, seen it yet.
0: <laughs> we'll just say that. Hey,
2: haven't seen the movie? Probably should go see the movie. Okay. It's, it's a good uh, movie. on Paramount Plus if you have Paramount Plus. So I
0: do have Paramount Plus. There you go. I could do that. Probably I have. Solved. I have almost exclusively been using it to rewatch the fairly odd parents so i don't know I <laughs>
2: okay don't know. this is bordering
0: on oversharing now but that's okay <laughs> that, <I'm sorry. laughs> no that show is terrific are you kidding me the episodes about the crimson chin uh speak to my nerdy superhero heart anyways um
1: <laughs> anyways nick how have you been uh, <laughs> yeah, what have you been reading
0: nick what romp um, have you
2: been going on this summer yeah oh man um so the the wild and crazy romp would be uh my air conditioning breaking last week
0: no and
2: it was a couple days of is the ac broken is it really broken is the temperature broken is the machine broken what's broken i'm hot i'm hot am i broken physically (laughs) hot physically like feeling hot the sensation of feeling hot not like aesthetic (laughs) we're going back into self-esteem issues again clearly
0: too many clarifiers nick
2: yeah and and it turns out that some little critter got in and uh gnawed the cords that go to the refrigerant Okay. I don't know. Any any anybody who like does anything with like mechanics or electronics could be like, "Yeah, the regulator's broken." And I would be like, "Sure. You can say whatever you want to say. I will <laughs> I will agree cuz you have like grease on your hands and you're wearing gloves and you have a tough mustache <laughs> and you're the authority figure here. I am just this idiot that lives in this these four walls and understands none of it." And so that had to get replaced. And then it was a question of he was like, and this is like the worst thing any mechanic can tell you as they leave. This is like the worst thing is when they go, so that should do it. Mm. Let me know if it doesn't. Mm. And you're like, oh God, what does he mean by that? You know? And then they tip their hat and get in the car and just smirk as they drive away. And so Yesterday, it almost turned into like the old days of ye old science experiments when you were a kid. It's like, oh, will the plant grow if I give it more water? Except for me, it was, hey, is the fact that I have this really bright lamp next to the thermostat is that fucking things up? Because it turns out it was. I thought that was like an old wives' tale about bright lamps fucking up thermostats. Apparently, it adds it's heat. real.
0: It yeah, adds, it has heat. You're generating heat. That
2: yeah, <laughs> that's not so an old wives' tale. That's
0: just literal science. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't distinguish between the two. We already we already discussed the fact that I have a very loose understanding of of anything else in this home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, it turned out that that was also fucking things up and making the AC stay on f- way longer than it should be until I anyway. I learned a lot this weekend. All of it I probably should have picked up in third grade. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, Beyond that, I I did get some some reading done, which is something I feel like I sort of have a handle on amidst all these other things. (laughs) Splendid. And I read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, Lost Years, number one. A lot of credits on this book. Uh, writing by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz, colors by Luis Antonio Delgado, letters by Sean Lee. Um, in the past sequences, the pencils were by S.L. Gallant and the inks were by Maria Keane. In the modern sequences of the book, it was uh, pencils and inks by Ben Bishop. And in the Splinter's Journal parts of the book, I know, it's a lot, uh, pencils and inks by Kevin Eastman. So for those unaware, this is basically a follow-up to IDW's Prestige five-part miniseries called The Last Ronin, um, which was based on an unused idea that Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird concocted um, back when the Turtles were at Mirage, which is why that book has the unique situation of having a Peter Laird co-credit on it, because you don't really find those anymore because Eastman and Laird really don't like each other to whatever degree you think is the case. Wait, they don't? Oh, def- not anymore. Nick, I didn't oh, no. know this. No. Oh, my yeah. God. Wait. I don't know if this is sarcasm at this point. No, I,
0: I, I genuinely me. did not know this. Turtle oh, gossip. Let's go.
2: No, no. They're they're like, if you want to have a real fun time, go read the, um, I think it's the black and white classics or it's the color class. It's either the, the reprinting of the black the and white version or the color classics where they recolored the originals either one has like a back and forth for every issue where it's like peter laird and kevin eastman like discussing the issue that you know before each issue there's sort of like a preface and they kind of discuss it and like most of the time kevin eastman is like yeah i really enjoyed this issue it was a really fun time and then peter laird is like yeah kevin missed all of his deadlines on this issue and generally turned in everything late and kind of made things hell and it was sort of about three issues later that i decided i didn't want to work with him ever again (laughs) (laughs) wait wait
0: (laughs) wait This is all like included in the book. It's in the book, yeah.
2: It's so good. It's it's,
0: oh incredible. I want to go read petty comic gossip. It's,
2: (laughs) uh, it's amazing. And anyway, they like really don't like each other anymore. Oh Um, my god! I'm just thrilled for
1: once to not have it involve allegations of some kind. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: it's just like a general old fashioned. Yeah, this dude is a dick.
1: (laughs) Yeah, classic, classic. Just artist beef.
0: Oh my it's, god, that's incredible. It's amazing. I'll Thank figure you, out
2: which one it is and I'll, I'll send it to you because... Yes, um, please. The fact that some editor was like, hmm, I'm including this. Uh, <laughs> it's just amazing.
0: <laughs> and to think it all started with one satirical one-off comic issue back in the 80s to make yeah. fun of Daredevil. And here we and are. Th- yeah,
2: I was going to say, and to think Frank Miller is ultimately at the heart of all of this. Uh, <laughs> so... One controversial figure deserves another, <laughs> but yeah so so there was the series that launched um, in October 2020 and wrapped its fifth issue in April of 2022. So yes, it was one of those very long um, publishing things. Uh, uh, it's really good. Uh, but I waited to read until the end because I was worried it was going to be like super grimdark. Cause it's like, oh, it's the last Ronin. And of course the big premise was like, oh, there's only one Ninja Turtle left. And like, what happened to the rest? And I was just really concerned dark. that it was. Yeah. And I was like, is this the book where they're like, Hey, uh, this is where the turtles can say, Fuck. Uh, and I don't know. They're like freebasing cocaine off of Splinter's walking stick, and <laughs> what? God knows what else. No, Nick, that, they're uh,
0: teenagers. They're yeah. teenage mutant ninja turtles. Well, well, I,
2: mean, I, I, I want to clarify. Like they're old now. They're 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 all grown oh, wait, up. Wait, wait, wait. But and these things aren't actually happening, Kara. This is my concern of what would happen in the book. Uh, okay. Thankfully, it didn't. Okay. Um. <laughs> it's really like... good. That was really good. I was so excited when I finished it, when we did our IRCB like picks of the year. It Mm -hmm. was my pick um, for, I think, 2022. Really great book. Super ambitious. Totally endorse it. Um, And then they're like, oh, we're going to do a sequel. And then just imagine me as the Leo DiCaprio meme where he's angrily pointing at the TV. And I was like, this is where they fuck it up. How could you do this? (laughs) This was like lightning in a bottle. You can't get lightning in a bottle twice. It's just... It's not going to happen.
0: I always thought of that Leonardo DiCaprio meme as like uh, like you recognize yourself in something. So that's adding a different layer to your reaction. To Look, we already proved
2: thing. that I don't know how modern HVAC systems work and also just the basic understanding of heat. So this, the this, idea this that was... I'm not interpreting memes is, is you know.
0: <laughs> I enjoy that you pick up on the anger. <laughs> like you could be, you, I see myself and I'm angry yeah. about it. yeah. Point at the screen.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: It's it's because Nick has already written this (laughs) fanfiction.
2: Uh go check out my uh what is it, AO3? Oh,
0: is that still down? Didn't like the Russian hackers got at it? Oh good. Okay.
2: Anyway, I don't want to discuss The Last Ronin that much at all because I don't want to spoil it. And I don't want to discuss Lost Years because and this seems very obvious, but I'll say it. Do not read Lost Years. None of it. Don't read any of it if you haven't read Last Ronin, because it completely builds and it ruins the end of Last Ronin. But both don't suck. Both are really good. They just announced a video game coming out on this. I think they just announced a cartoon coming out about this. They also announced the Last Ronin 2 that's going to be followed up. They announced that at SDCC. Someone's going to let me down eventually. No, that's not something I need to unpack in therapy. And uh, what about you, Kara? What have you been reading? Um, what other basic understandings of light and heat and, 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 you know, everything else <laughs> have you acquired within the last week?
1: But first, uh, deprecate yourself because that's <laughs> what we do here. Right. First,
2: show us all of your human foibles, please.
0: <laughs> oh, I got that. No problem. Um, hey guys, thanks for being here today. I just came off of a, uh, like the biggest work trip I'm going to have all year. So my brain is a puddle. Um, I slept so hard last night that I had dreams in which I was tired and was trying to wake (laughs) up and couldn't. Have you, like, have you been so tired that you dream about being tired? (laughs) Like, you dream about sleeping? I was, like, three layers deep in Inception, all right? That's where I was last night, trying to, like, recuperate my brain and my body from, you know, being in the basement of a convention center. Um, and let me tell you, uh... (laughs) I, ha- I was actually in the basement of the convention center that s- was gearing up to host the Otakon, the largest anime convention on the East Coast. So if you were at Otakon, we were in the same building. What's up? I probably saw you if you were wearing a costume. And uh, I was at a wildly different event where there were maybe two other nerds there with me. And then just a bunch of professionals trying to like network and do their jobs. And all of a sudden we're surrounded by people in costumes and I and the other nerds were thriving, but everyone else on my floor was just like, wait, what is happening? What is happening? And I had found this Oticon website like six months ago and been like, guys, um, have you been to a comic convention? Have you been to an anime convention? I had to explain furries to my boss. Okay, like I—that's the kind of week I had. <laughs> so, um, that's where I'm at. Uh, obviously, I have been thriving off of the existence of the Barbie movie, and I want everyone to see it. And uh, to anyone who's getting uh, inundated with the messaging that it's anti-man, I would say that it's anti inequality and pro being able to be whatever you want to be while recognizing that life has a lot of constraints. I had a lot of feelings going into and out of that movie. Also it's funny and Ryan Gosling's delightful, even though he's a terrifying, almost incel (laughs) at certain points. But uh, anyway, uh, comic book wise, I read a book that's been on my list for a while. I can't remember if I've talked about it previously, but I feel like it has been mentioned on the show. It's Mimosa by Archie Bongiovanni. And it's a graphic novel that is about four queer friends, kind of like in their 30s, like mid to late 30s. I was laughing because Hoopla had it categorized as a teen book, but the very first page is uh, one of the characters' vibrators running out of juice. So I was like, hmm for teens you decide
1: <laughs> <laughs> only for teens can hang
0: <laughs> so uh like it was i like i think a teenager who like could read this but i think uh somebody who's in their later 20s or in their 30s or 40s would get more out of it emotionally because it is the story of these four different characters navigating their friendships at a point when they're changing like this group of friends has been friends for 10 years now they've seen each other through um like different life changes whether it's transitioning or getting top surgery or one of them got married and had a kid and then got divorced and came out as gender queer there's all this stuff going on but the book what i liked about the book is that it's not really focusing on like, all these changes that have happened in the past, it's we see those more as, like, flashbacks to h- underscore the changes that are happening in the current narrative, where these characters are realizing that just because somebody has been your friend for a long time doesn't mean they need to continue being their friend, especially if they're not treating you in the way that you want to be treated. So we, it's just... It was so messy. It's been like a while since I've read something where everyone's a hot mess and like still loves each other, but still can recognize that like things can change. Um, The inciting action in this book, that's like the plot that we're following, is these characters are talking about how there's no uh, like good like queer spaces to meet people uh, once you're past the age of like 25, because all of the support in their area is for. Like teenagers or kids in college or right out of college and uh, real life segue. That's kind of like how it is in my area right now. Like I just moved to this area. I think it's hard when you're an adult to make friends in general, let alone find a community to be a part of. So I think regardless of if you're queer or not, if you've been in a situation where you're like, wait a minute, I'm an adult, and my friends are off doing their own thing. And I don't know how to make new friends. And I don't know where I belong. And maybe I moved it. There's a lot of that in here. Your mileage may vary on how many of those feelings you want to (laughs) feel. But if you want to feel them, (laughs) you could read this book. Uh, like they go into like how hard it is to find somebody to date. They're trying to help each other. They're imperfect. I I really thrived on how imperfect these characters are. And I'm really glad that we're kind of at a place, um, in like certain parts of comic book publishing, at least where there are so many queer narratives available now that not like, not everything has to be like Perfect and like a happy ending and like like good representatives of the community. It's like no, like these people are deeply flawed and making mistakes, but you can still see like their value as people through it. And it was just like a lot more nuance that I was expecting. That I really really enjoyed. Loved the dialogue. Loved the shitty messy characters. The art style in this book was not my favorite. It was more of like a i guess a sketchy indie style like something that you'd have found on a webcomic like 10 years ago but it worked for the vibe of the story so i'm not like mad about it it's just if this was a different type of story the art style would not um jibe with me and uh that there were some like it's not all just people being a mess like it is a funny heartwarming book and i did laugh out loud at a punchline about portland because my brothers lived there for like 10 years now and i was like hey, hey, hey it's true <laughs> but um yeah uh basically highly recommend and now i want mimosas but i always want mimosas so i don't know if this is any different than that
1: if you do want to make friends as an adult i can recommend uh joining a comic book podcast
0: oh yeah no that is all of
1: my adult <laughs> friends have been made right here on this show <laughs>
0: Um, I have explained that to people. They're just like, well, well, who are your friends as an adult? And I was like, Well, I've got some friends in California. I still have some friends in the New York area. I've got a bunch of friends in Michigan. They're like, oh, great. When have you last seen them? Never. No. <laughs> like,
1: <Yes>. C2E2 2019.
0: <laughs> we hang out on the internet. We are known entities on the internet. We have a Discord. You should join. What's up to everyone <laughs> listening live? Thank you for being here. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is. That was my little little summer festivity reading experience, and uh, I think to to close us out with this portion of our show, Nick, you read another book, didn't you?
2: Yeah, and thematically to wrap things up, I suppose it's quite perfect that that book was called Swan Songs Number One. Uh, this is by W. Maxwell Prince, uh, art by Martin Simmons, letters by Good Old Neon. Of course, Maxwell Prince, perhaps best known for Ice Cream Man, and Martin Simmons, perhaps best known for his art on Department of Truth. So really great pairing here. Um, Prince has had a history of just continuing to want to do anthology books. Obviously, Ice Cream Man is semi-mostly anthology with some narrative through lines. You've got One Week in the Library. Uh, You've got Ha Ha, where the unifying theme was uh, clowns. And that was uh, not one I really wanted to read at the beginning, but um, uh, it wasn't all creepy and I can still endorse that one. But this is another uh, sort of anthology series that Prince is doing at Image. Uh, and of course, as the title of the book suggests, the unifying theme this time is that it's all about the end of different things. And I had seen a promo image for, for the book a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, or uh, one of the issues, and it was like each cover or you know, has a framing narrative where it goes the end of dot, dot, dot. And the one I saw was the end of a marriage, and I was like, okay, Adam Driver punches some walls, that's fine, I can handle that. Where are we going next wow. with this? And I haven't even seen the movie, I just know that it happens, it's fine. Um, and I was like, all right, so what's the first issue? And it's like, oh, the end of the world, and I was like, oh, great, really. Just a really low bar to set things, kick things off on. That's great. Very topical. Yeah, yeah, right. And so it's got this sort of post-apocalyptic setting. You're following this guy named Brian. Sorry, Brian, you're getting roped into this now.
1: Mm. That's fine.
2: And um, uh, obviously, they show outside, and all the streets are filled with garbage, and the cars are on fire, and people are protesting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Again, not that far removed from today. Uh, Brian's mom is sort of holed up, dying of of kidney disease. And Brian is reading to her um, from Better Gardens magazine just because it's something that they both sort of enjoy and it's sort of peaceful and calming. And like you do you, you figure out what works for you. If it's a garden magazine, that's great. Uh, They find out that there aren't any more issues left and that the last issue is like some guy at the local uh, pharmacy has it. And so Brian decides he's going to make the decision to go out into this world uh, and and get the last magazine and um, yeah it's 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 pretty dark but it's also kind of uplifting. Meanwhile, you have this constant like countdown, like the what do they call that? The nuclear countdown or or doomsday the, clock? The doomsday, the doomsday, doomsday clock. clock. Yeah, you have this ominous doomsday clock. I read clock. Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it starts at like twenty three, and it's in red and black, so it almost looks like a scary, nightmarish Michael Jordan jersey. Um, which is kind of like a weird thing I noticed I was like was this intentional does this guy just hate the bulls shadow realm Michael Jordan is here (laughs) yeah but um, like most Maxwell Print stuff uh, it's dark it's very grounded in sort of the sort of scariness that comes with day to day existence and if some of you out there are like that's not me that's fine then you and I are on different pages that's okay uh, but it's also got sort of some uplifting points. And I would just say if, if you're looking for something different, you've read other Maxwell Print stuff and you think that you're up for something else. Just just give this a try. If you're looking for pure escapism, this is not your read. This is definitely <laughs> not your book uh, at all.
0: Thanks but for the honesty, Nick.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want escapism, go pick up that new book g willow wilson image fantasy book that one's great that's what i'd recommend
0: oh maybe i will thank you yeah (laughs) it sounds delightful just knowing the things that you said just now yeah
2: yeah absolutely so that's me that's it that's what i got (laughs)
0: thanks nick well we got uh some Folks joining us in the discord chat for our live. Listen every Sunday. Thanks gang. Uh, we got some top picks for what are you reading next? What is the top of your pile? We got Danny reading X-Men 25. I have to assume Mike is also reading the same thing and, uh, username Dom with the light old is going to do a black science read through, uh, I read, I think, the first two trades of that, and then dropped off. But I remember the art being, ugh, so good, so nice. So, uh, definitely support that one. Thank you. But uh, let's get into what we're reading next. What's going on, Brian? What are you gonna have on the top of your pile this week? Well, like uh, like
1: a lot of people, I saw Spider-Man Across the Spider Verse and became enamored with Spider-Punk almost immediately. I was actually, I was a little familiar with Hobie Brown before the movie came out, just from reading all the Spider-Verse stuff that came out way back when. Uh, I was just browsing through Hoopla, uh, as one does, and found Spider-Punk Battle of the Band, uh, B-A-N-N-E-D, written by... Right out of
2: the gate with a pun, huh? (laughs) Right out of the gate.
1: I mean, it's a spider book, Nick. What do you want?
0: Brian, I gotta tell you.
2: I don't know. I don't know. I know so little about Spider-Man that you're like, oh, it's no, gonna no. be with it's gonna be filled with puns. And I'm like, is is that known?
0: I, I mean I think so, because Peter Parker loves loves a good pun, or you know, in in the movies loves a good pun. Um, Brian, I'm having deja vu because I also read this book recently, wanting to get more from the Spider-Verse movie. And I am deeply interested to know. What the result is for you once you've read it, because I personally stopped halfway through the first issue
2: Oof. of this trade. <laughs>
0: but your mileage may vary. You could very well go into this and be like, "Kara's crazy. This is great." But I was like,
2: uh, "This is a yeah." Your mileage character. may vary, Brian. If you make it past issue one, you're the basic one. <laughs> <laughs> we all know I'm the, I'm the basic one here. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh,
1: this is written by Cody Ziegler, with art by Justin Mason, colors by Jim Charles and letters by Travis Lanham. The, the The premise of this is basically like, after Hobie Brown smashed his guitar into President Norman Osborne, he thought that the world would get better. I'm just like, really? That's, yes. generally Generally, it's like a systemic thing. It's usually not just like one guy, but uh there there seem to have been consequences of some kind and to that i would simply like to say duh like (laughs) you you don't you don't concuss the president of the united states without the world changing in some way
0: do wait did he concuss the president or murder the president
1: I, I don't know. I haven't read any of the stuff leading up to it.
0: Because I I have to figure like if he like took the president off the chessboard, that's a power vacuum. That's a bigger problem. Some might say.
1: Yeah. It's it's it, the, the the book does not specify and in comics, if I don't see a corpse, I assume they're still kicking around somewhere.
0: That's fair. Zombie version. Zombie zombie President Osborne. I bet they've done that
1: they used the word venomized in there so i assume that there's a symbiote in play uh, and you never know what's going to go on with with those slimy little fellas
0: i enjoy how nonchalant you're being about all this you're like yeah it's like an alternate universe and spider-man hit the president with an electric guitar and there's probably an alien latched onto him somehow anyways i'm gonna make some coffee and go to work that's
1: that's <laughs> tuesday in the spider-verse
0: <laughs> I am also top of my pile is a a book that is um uh, kind of like a a mishmash of fun media properties. I'm gonna check out the He Man Thundercats crossover. Uh, Zach recommended this in uh, one of the chats maybe like a month or two ago. I gotta say, like every part of my eight year old self is just screaming at my current age self, like why haven't we read this already? I don't (laughs) know. You know, I I was a little young to to experience He Man on television, but I got the tail end of Thundercats, and I definitely had a children's book about He Man, and uh, I remember fondly the uh, mustachioed character design of Man at Arms, and just the (laughs)
2: like
0: the really toyetic character designs in general. Like you know, when you look at something from the '80s, and you're like, ah, this was designed to sell toys to children.
1: so every cartoon from like 81 to 87 like
0: like the the
2: the cartoons where you could actually see like the points of movement on the the (laughs) animation
0: and it's like buy it leave the go bots out of this nick (laughs) so this is um so it's the the he-man stuff which is sort of an 80s update on the sword and sorcery genre for children um our our protagonist was adam a prince who had a sword where when he said by the power of gray skull all of a sudden he'd get more muscles but retain every other physical characteristic. so very much a clark kent situation where it's like oh man with those glasses i'd never imagine that you're superman um and you know thundercats what's not to love about the thundercats they're they're cats they're humans they're human cats with great eye makeup and better hair and
2: spawned did a they generation come up during, of furries like, the furry i was gonna say did did thundercats get end up in your your furry discussion with your boss or
0: i just tried to not get fired <laughs>
2: okay Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I mean i would have just been like it's costumes they're costumes that's it
1: don't worry uh, that's not an actual blue dog on walking on its hind legs
0: <laughs> Uh, the ones that we saw were blue. Actually, how'd you know? So,
1: I know things, Kara. Don't <laughs> don't ask questions. You don't want the answers. To. <laughs>
0: um, uh There was a, a poster for uh, Otakon up in our event space, and that's why they uh, my coworkers could see rooms labeled things like Maid Cafe and lolita garden and i had to oh. i had to just leap in when i heard one of the executives saying what's a lolita garden and i was like do not google that do not google it do not put those words in your phone <laughs> like we're just not even a no <laughs> please don't anyway so he-man Cats, perfect summer vibes 80s fever dream i need no more explanation it has a 4.5 out of 5 star rating on hoopla so i have to imagine that it's at least halfway decent and not just fueled by nostalgia anyway zach seemed to like it so perhaps i'll like it too that is that is the next uh top of my pile
1: and if we don't we're coming for your ass Zach.
2: (laughs) (laughs) these are the perils of making recommendations
0: uh (laughs) nick what are you reading next
2: uh, so for me, it's The Sacrificers, number one, uh, by Rick Remender, uh, art by Max Fiumara, uh, colors by Dave McKeg, letters by Russ Wooten. Um, mainly, I wanted to pick this up just because I was a big fan of Rick Remender's A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, a book that anyone who listens to this show will note that I have probably given eight or nine different versions of that title mistakenly. Uh, but I did just wanted to make sure I got it right this time. Uh, and so I thought to myself, uh, I sort of owe it to Rick to see if he can actually deliver two titles in a row that I like, because in the past um, that's never happened. Rick and I not really on the best of terms for the most part. Um, <laughs> But of course, does I like the book. That?
0: <laughs> <In> a- <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Rick is deeply hurt by my thoughts. He, you know, every waking minute is thought. Gosh, I hope Nick likes this book. Um, <laughs> I know. I he. I hope he does because he, you know, he's a real sick fuck, and he liked the one with the one guy murdering people who would break light bulbs and then poke the shards into people to torture them. What? So he's. Yes, read uh, read a righteous thirst for vengeance. Okay, it's got it has some darker moments. It has some darker moments. I liked it. Mike liked it. I don't know if that Brian's shaking his
0: head. I don't. I don't know about that.
2: (laughs) He's like he's like Nick liked it. Mike liked it. This is a clear stay away sign. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Like Nick thinks this is a ringing endorsement with a second on it. It's not. These Mm. these are the these are the guys who brought you the Ice Cream Man podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, but I read the first issue because we got a promotional copy for the show. And look, bottom line, you got Max Fiamara doing the art. And the guy was a fixture on several BPRD runs. Fantastic artist. He drew possibly the saddest Black Hammer title, which was Dr. Star in the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows or Dr. Andromeda eventually, because the title changed because there was, I think, a lawsuit. Um, But... Black Hammer is magnificently depressing to begin with. The fact that this guy drew the saddest one, I think, I I don't know if they're going to give an Eisner out for that, but they, they probably should have. Eisner, anyway, the
0: saddest book.
2: Saddest book, right? Um, look, if you're looking for dark fantasy, you really should pick up this book. And all of those dumb dark fantasy fans that are a sucker for like several pages uh, of an intro and then a beautifully drawn map of everything, like it's there. It's got the wonderful map uh there's really no exposition it drops you right into the middle of this world where it's got like humanoid pigeons and a fiery god who eats lava cakes and he has a snooping daughter who has like magma hair and there's a bounty hunter that looks like the main character from the overlord video games and you're like what is going on but rick doesn't care because he's not going to fall into that trap of spending like five issues being like let me go through A whole bunch of exposition and just set up my fantasy world like no he just fucking drops you in the middle of it and like let me just read the image solicit because it is so hard to even try to address this book and i think they were even like i i don't even have a fucking chance at doing this so they say in the sacrificers tomorrow is a harmonious paradise thanks to five families who make everything perfect for the price of one child per household now as that bill comes due a son expected to give everything for a family that never loved him, and an affluent daughter determined to destroy Utopia must now unite to end one generation's unnaturally protracted reign. Um, so basically, uh, it's a real boilerplate epic, epic
0: fantasy narrative. Um, I was going to say this is th- this is giving from Blood and Ash, which is one of the top-selling uh, like fantasy novel series right now. Like, it, it, I'm. That's Armin Trout, right? Yeah, I'm only into yeah. at the start of book two, but like th- this sounds like from Blood and Ash.
2: <laughs> well, they didn't mention that in the solicit, Kara. So okay. clearly, it can't be.
0: No, I guess I guess sacrificing a firstborn is a, an older trope than just yeah, five years ago. A, so you that's know, a, that's a
2: that's a ongoing <laughs>
0: motif. You might say <laughs> been there since uh, the Bible or previously.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm very invested in the idea of. Uh, overthrowing the aged autocracy
0: i can't imagine why that would be relevant to our day and age brian
1: (laughs) yeah why don't we have 30 seconds of awkward silence to (laughs) drill that home
2: look i just quietly chuckled when the big magma god walked into the room and like the little waiter was like here are your lava cakes and i was like haha this is stupid (laughs) (laughs) this is funny (laughs) <laughs> like, this is like pages after this guy is like giving up his firstborn son. And he's mm. like, I'm so sorry, son. And then I'm like, ooh, lava cakes. This is fun. Delightful.
0: An element of whimsy in an otherwise dark yeah. and disturbing tome. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. I would at least say just check out issue one and and, and see if it's for you.
0: Solid review. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for, for sharing your... Top of your pile picks. We're going to take a quick break and then be right back to talk about your favorite Franco-Belgian comic character and mine, Tintin. This week on the I Read Comic Books podcast, we're talking about one of the most famous comic book characters in Western culture that not I have learned not all Americans know about. It is the Tintin comic books. These are one of the it's the one of the most well-known Franco-Belgian comic book series, definitely of the 20th century. And I would argue into the 21st, since they just recently made a movie that Mike wanted us all to watch in conjunction with this show, but no, there's no need for that. We're talking. We're here for comic books. So.
1: I, I couldn't find it streaming on any of the services that I have, and I wasn't going to pay money for it. So <laughs> good for you.
0: <laughs> so uh, what we what I chose this topic because I grew up reading the Tintin comics. My parents were really big about getting uh, my brother and I lots of comic books to read when we were kids because they were just excited about us reading, and uh, my dad loves. French culture and he had studied abroad in Belgium. So he uh, made sure that we had lots of like Tintin and Asterix. And I've um, definitely talked about these briefly on the show before. And uh, when I was at Comixology was working with the team to get more Franco-Belgian comics available, sometimes in English, mostly in French on that platform. So this is a, a place of origin for comic books that is really um, interesting to me on a lot of different levels. I think one of the most stark differences between uh, French and Belgian comics versus American style comics is that in America, when you think of comic books, you are nine times out of 10 going to think of superhero comics. And that is barely a genre in France and Belgium, but you'll find lots of other genres of comic books and, Uh, Tintin, I think, is squarely in the all-ages adventure category. Um, These stories uh, were first published in, I want to say, the 30s. The first one was Tintin in the Congo, which is so racist that it has not been translated into English, and it should really stay that way. And you have to remember that this was a time period where um, Belgium was... Uh, still not like coming out of being a colonial power or attempting to be a colonial power. So there's a lot of uh, colonist themes that you can see kind of creeping into the uh, depiction of non-white characters in this series. Um, The, the books are centered around the adventures of Tintin, our protagonist. He's a reporter. I think the creator, Hergé, uh, intentionally made him look, Uh, very young so that children reading the comics would have kind of a, a an avatar within the stories to say oh i could be doing these things um this is where the lean claire art style uh really um like when people talk about the lean claire art style it's generally tintin that they're referencing where if you look at um the inking and the line work there's not any like shading or hatching or anything like any color differentiation happens with um, the color, so everything's really, um, I think, visually appealing. And uh, of course, it's going to appeal visually to children. Um, so, how did I get Brian and Nick to read one of these books? We quickly realized that it is difficult to get a hold of Tintin comics if you don't have a library that has physical copies because the rights are a mess. So what I did was scan one of my issues on my, com- on my like, computer printer and email it to them. So don't try this at home, kids. But we did read Tintin' uh, Red Rackham's Treasure, which is one of my favorite of the stories and one of the least racist ones, which is mostly because there are virtually no non-white characters in it, which is a whole other kettle of fish to unpack. But I've been talking for a while what's up what did you guys think
1: from the the one the one black character that we did see the depiction bordered on minstrelry So
0: Uh, bordered on squarely in the middle of
1: (laughs) yeah it was it was a full minstrel show looking Mm. character design so i'm kind of glad that they decided to be racist by not including them instead of (laughs) i don't know being turbo hyper racist
0: there's a reason tintin and the congo again has not been published in english
2: yeah yeah, I, I mean, I do want to thank Kara right out of the gate. I mean, I've read a little Tintin, a couple of volumes, but uh, thank you for picking a largely unproblematic Tintin story because uh-huh. it turns out when the, you know, the majority of the plot is five or six white guys arguing on a boat at sea, that the <laughs> chance that things can really go south fast, uh-huh. uh, just that it's sort of taken off the table. I mean, thankfully. Um, you know, because there's no opportunity for them to visit a real country or a real country's analogous counterpart and just watch things go south. Uh-huh. Um, which is also, also what happened because I decided to read another one called Tintin in America. Oh,
0: yes, Nick. <laughs> oh
2: and I was very surprised because I was like, oh, like, again, this is this is <laughs> we're talking about stereotypes, and then I go uh-huh. and make one, but here we are. Uh, not to paint with a broad brush, but usually I find with a lot of these franco belgian comics or european comics were like oh we're coming to america right it's like it's always new york it's always fucking new york it's new york and new york new york whatever and he goes to chicago Chicago. and i was like oh what a what a pleasant surprise and he's like i'm gonna fight the crime syndicate Mm -hmm. and like al capone's in it and i'm like when was this written (laughs) and it's like 1931 which i think was like the year that al capone was like brought up on charges and Mm. i'm like uh i would not be writing a book about putting a real game i mean look the atlantic ocean is between you
0: like why does he yeah exactly
2: you got the atlantic ocean between you but like i mean still um i mean if we did that in like the modern day like some sort of version of this i I i'm not so sure maybe uh, i would be as bold as an author but Mm -hmm. um that was interesting it got a lake michigan call out that was nice i learned that there's a disproportionate amount of, um, businessmen in Chicago with hidden trap doors in their offices. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and then, and I was like, oh, this is largely funny. A lot of slapstick, a lot more slapstick th- th- than I really remembered. But also, again, Nick, it is a book for children. huh um, please don't forget that uh, and then at one point one of the gangsters escapes Chicago and uh-huh. he fo- and he goes off and'm um, he's and Tintin is like, I will follow him. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Where are you following him to? And he's like, I'm going to follow him to this area that he went and it is a Native American reservation uh-huh. except, the 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 term Native American is not used once, and other terms are frequently used. Include one which was the uh, current was a recent NFL team's uh, mascot Uh until recently, Uh, and so that gets used a lot. And the book goes pretty south from there. (laughs) Lots of headdresses uh, and
0: teepees, and yeah, yeah, (laughs)
2: yeah, yeah. and and tomahawk throwing and and all of the uh, persistent. stereotypes about native americans
0: yeah it's like you're in 1930 like 1920s 1930s gangland chicago and then you do an abrupt turn into like 1880s wild west cowboys and indians genre type yeah it's it's so
2: like it's almost like he he had Like he like made a list of like things he wanted to do about America and he like picked two and he's (laughs) like I gotta I gotta come up with this segue and it's not a good one but here we are (laughs) like these are the two stories I want to tell look I want to be racist and I don't want to be racist (laughs) so we're gonna get the both of the best of both worlds and we're just gonna make it happen so yeah uh well, it was, it was an interesting time, and I, I will also mention this. Um, you mentioned the the rights being difficult to get a hold of, um, which is when I sort of decided to take a two birds with one stone approach. Uh, I was like, you know what? I do want to finally get around to reading Tintin, and I do need to get it for this show. So I ended up with a stupid, like, I sent a boxed set to my house. So now I've got everything. Yes! Um, <laughs> including and i i didn't want to um actually this show but i guess i'm gonna have to um actually the show is there an english the first volume in a congo n- no 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 first off they didn't include that okay. and i was like okay i was both like a little disappointed but really, yeah, exactly <laughs> it was like simultaneous like oh thank god it's not here uh-huh. but also like people say this is terrible in the same way that people don't want to look away from a car crash i was like how terrible like it's show show me show me the receipts but also it's bad so
1: like like when you're on reddit and you know that a picture is like fully just human gore but you're like yeah do i click on it though do i want to see just how bad it is
0: well what what
2: else it's like a youtube video and it says it's hosted by live leaks on on reddit and you're like oh this is not gonna be good Um, (laughs)
0: okay so dialing it back a little bit nick what else is in the collection that you ordered
2: well, this is the interesting thing, because you I think you mentioned that the first volume of Tintin was the the Congo book, but actually it's not. The first one is Tintin in the Land of the Soviets,
0: oh, which that apparently was in black wasn't and white. published
2: yeah. for like 40 years. Yep. It never got put in color. He He claimed that the plates were so bad, some people think he was lying and just partially was just embarrassed about the quality Aww. of the book, that they were so bad that he couldn't reproduce it. So then everyone was like, fine, we're just going to bootleg it um so they bootlegged it for a while and then it finally got published 40 years later but it never got recolored and apparently a lot of him also not liking the book is because uh the author wanted is it herge yeah i think L. that's Shea. how yeah, wikipedia it's, said to say it yeah, yeah it's his
0: um initials are J, but you pronounce them the french he like made a portmanteau out of his own real initials and oh. so his uh writer's name was algey
2: well, apparently he wanted—he really wanted this first venture to be in America, but his editor at this newspaper, which was like a pretty f- fascist national state newspaper mm-hmm. apparently at the time, was like, no, we need to instruct the youths on the evils of communism, so you were going to put the first story in the Soviet Union. And so basically the editor went over his head, and that's why the first book was that. Okay. Apparently. Okay. So
0: well what yeah what else what else is in there i've read most of them i think
2: i think it's everything it's it's literally everything else except obviously the congo story uh i think that's the only one omitted and then they do include the the soviet um the black and white um tintin in the land of the soviets which a lot of collections don't have is
0: the completed not completed final book tintin and the elf art included
2: i don't i don't think so i can out nerd don't you on think this that thing. one was. <laughs>
0: it's not a contest well i fight fight
2: fight i I did i did read about that because apparently like (laughs) what uh his wife gave permission but then decided to not give permission or whatever to have another person finish it or something like that
0: you're just bringing all the comic book drama to the fore today nick like
2: let me just (laughs) say this okay like i went on wikipedia because that is where i get all of my information and i was like i will just do a little research and like each Wikipedia page for like every Tintin book was like thousands and thousands of words. And it was just like, wow. Like I'm
0: telling e- you they're popular.
2: Yeah. Yeah. People have read yeah, yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: We have never read them. Well, uh, so something that I didn't tell you guys before we went into red Rackham's treasure, which is the volume that we read is that it is actually um, the second part. Te- a lot of the Tintin stories were like two book long stories where each book could be a standalone story, but they could create a a bigger plot. If you read the both of them, I actually um, read Red Rackham's treasure like a million times before I knew before I read the, uh, the previous book, the secret of the unicorn. Uh, But now next, since you have all of them, you can now read the prequel. Um, So in the secret of the unicorn, Tintin and his uh, captain bestie, captain Haddock are, um finding a map that will lead them to a treasure and for the functions of plot that's all you really need to know going into red rackham's treasure which is handily uh explained to us within the first page through some uh nice exposition framing of two sea dogs chatting in a bar and being overheard by a reporter so we go off on our journey and uh you know as a child reading this obviously one of the most uh, delightful visual elements of, of this story is that they explore the sunken wreck of the ship holding this treasure, allegedly, uh, using a submarine that is shaped like a shark so that they can blend in <laughs> with the sharks.
2: <laughs> it was kind of awkward, I'll admit, Kara, to be reading a book about, um, for a moment there, not knowing where a submarine has been lost with diminished, with dwindling oxygen supplies. Mm. Uh in uh in 2023 that was kind of a where have i where have i seen this before
0: moment
1: timely we'll call it
0: timely timely read uh but this time reading through because it has been a little while since i've i've read the book i was most struck by the um the beautiful scene setting like there were a bunch of like larger almost full page establishing shots where you saw okay now we're at the wreck and so we're gonna show like a full uh, intricate detailing of the wrecker. Okay, now we're walking through the jungle. So like we're having an almost full page. We're walking through the jungle illustration. And that's kind of where you can see uh, the detail in Oshay's work. And this wasn't on display as much in this story, just because they were underwater most of the time and not on land. But um, anytime there's a mechanical thing of like any cars boats planes trains automobiles herge puts a lot of detail into those illustrations yeah you you could see that with um when they went to
2: calculus's uh, laboratory and just all these different shots of all of his inventions and his machinery and the clothes washing machine and and um trying to remember some of the other things he had in there but it was like a very like there were so many different little things in the background that you could sort of just rest your eyes on and be like, Oh, what's this thing? What's this thing? It was like very detail laden. And, um, yeah, I, I appreciated that. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and did, uh, knowing that this, this book is aimed for children, but you could read it at any age. What did we think of the characters gang?
2: I think, I think Brian and I had the same big hurdle mm. as far as the characters go. I'll let Brian uh, get into it, but
1: uh Yeah. I mean the the first thing I is like like alcoholism really just used to be a joke. Yes. <laughs> like the captain and his hilarious oh, yeah. like desperate need for liquor yeah. at all times <laughs> ha, 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 his, his, <laughs> his, his,
2: his poor doctor right like his doctor is like really looking out for him like I was like this poor guy really cares and he like sends him a note and he's like get I, he's got I gotta get this note to him before he goes off to see and it's like buddy you gotta you gotta you gotta ease up you Gotta like it says the in the note
0: like your liver is trash please right. cease all <laughs> alcohol consumption right now
2: Uh, and then then, like he bothers in like parentheticals to like list out everything that you know contains alcohol (laughs) just to cover all the bases
1: yeah just to not leave any wiggle room for Mm, right our intoxicated friend the captain (laughs) um but it was it was cuthbert calculus that really stuck out to me
2: i mean kids love repetition right like obviously i'm sure that's part of it like you know, if you have a joke and the kid gets it, you just, you, you pound it into the ground at least a little because, yeah. Uh,
1: and, and with Cuthbert Calculus, the joke is, he's deaf.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Which
1: is, again, like something that used to be joked about a lot back in the right. days. And now we recognize is, you know, not really a thing to joke about. Uh, but it was just like so infuriating. Every, like every page had at least one panel where like someone is trying to communi- communicate something to him and he's just like fully not getting it and then just carrying on and just like at what point do you just sit this man down with a book and write down what you're trying to say to him
0: and they do do that at one point captain haddock like goes to write on the wall of yes the- of yes the street. yeah like we are not interested in your shark submarine which is insane you're always interested in a shark submarine yeah that's yeah. around here
1: <laughs> and at first calculus doesn't listen to that because he needed to uh test a shark submarine so he could sell the patent um so he had his own machinations going on
0: and then despite you know the less than warm welcome he receives i uh, you know i just continued to be delighted at the end of the story where you know, spoilers, (laughs) Captain Haddock realizes that his family's like ancestral estate is going up for sale. And he's like, Okay, well, I'm broke. So it's irrelevant. And calculus is like, Captain, look, your family estate, let's go buy it. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I sold the submarine patent, of course, let's go buy your estate. And I'm just like, that, you know what? Okay, (laughs) let's go buy the estate. Like as a kid, I think that was like less of an impactful moment, because I'm like, of course, your friends is going to help you buy your estate. But now that I, <laughs> yeah. but but then this time reading this as an adult, I was like, sir, you cannot afford the real estate taxes on this acquisition. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was very much damper. a oof, yeah.
1: the 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 most outlandish fantasy presented in this book: buying property <laughs> on a whim. <laughs>
0: No, not even not even you buying property on a whim. Right. Your friend buying property on a whim for you. For you.
2: Mhm. Yeah.
0: And then not expecting any share of the profits that are recouped. Like they walk into this house and it's like chock full of pilfered antiques that the cops have not found, taken, cataloged. So I'm like, "Okay, well right there you've paid back the cost of the house with all these abandoned illegal antiques just lying around." Like you could just resell those guys. <laughs>
2: like, I mean, I, uh, one interesting thing I noticed about Tintin, and it wasn't in this book, mm-hmm. but it was in Tintin in America. And I thought it was interesting because it was definitely a, I don't remember this being the case when I read Tintin as a child. Mm-hmm. Um or also, it's a, it's, a, it's a reflection on the 1930s. It, it could be both. But um, I guess I had always envisioned Tintin as like, oh, he's like this young journalist. And it's kind of like this idea that the pen is mightier than the sword. And he's going to go around and right these wrongs with the power of his words and thoughts. And maybe that was my weird idealized state. And by like page four of Tintin in America, he's packing heat. And I was <laughs> like, what? Well, that's Tintin like, in America. Tint- Tintin.
0: Well, Tintin. <laughs> is a reporter in the same way that Indiana Jones is an archaeologist. It's just an excuse okay. to get you to an exotic locale and have right. a weapon with you to punch a Nazi. like. And, like, I kept going, and I think, like, he
2: pulls a gun on at least five different people in this book. And I was like, this is a little odd. <laughs> but also, again, I think it's also just sort of, like, these days uh, you would probably never have that, like, in a children's book and of course in the 1930s like i mean i i've read some of them i I think you probably have as well kara like some of the 1930s disney comics Mm. from the time like mickey mouse was was running around with a revolver at certain points and so i was like okay like this is batman shot people on
0: his first few appearances that whole no killing thing didn't manifest till much later
2: (laughs) right so i think it was just me like having that like moment in my mind of like this is a book for children and they can't you know these people you know can't be running around with guns but uh yeah that was a surprise that was a um i was i, I don't think he actually ended up shooting anyone like there's a line he just uh, that he that tintin won't cross maybe i just haven't gotten to the you know the other ones the brutal he, murders of tintin <laughs> right the escalation <laughs> yeah it's tintin and training day yeah
0: tintin Uh, in the
1: clock
2: tower oh my god (laughs) Oh
0: um okay so nick you're obviously gonna read some more since you have now financially committed to reading some more brian would you consider reading more tintin or is that a big no from you doc i think i'm probably good (laughs) right
1: (laughs) uh i i but by no means that i like hate this experience i wasn't like reading this book like god i can't wait for this to be over but it also just didn't really do anything for me uh i think i left with more questions that i came with like <laughs> that's fair okay. who who the fuck are thompson and thompson they're, they oh, just they're like just there. show up it. randomly and then they're, are on the well, boat as crew members and then are farmers
2: at the end <laughs> they're, they're, well i think the book They intimated this, but correct me if I'm wrong, Kara. Mm. They don't say this because obviously it's like book 18 or whatever, but they're both um, detectives and or police, right? They're police. Yeah. Um, Much in
0: the way that that Tintin is a loose definition of a reporter, Thompson and Thompson are loose definitions of (laughs) detectives. Uh, I enjoy that they um, are wearing bowler hats because i don't know it's just they have like such a distinct style i will also note that their original um french names are not thompson and thompson but dupont and dupont <laughs> <It's> just,
2: <laughs> i was gonna say which is is it the same situation where it's obviously pronounced the same but they the spelling is different Correct. or was this different okay so they yeah, yeah. well that's kind of what i was going to get at the one thing that i found really interesting right was that this book has a lot of wordplay. It has a lot of uh, dealings with puns and spelling and um, misunderstandings of, um, you know, what one person says and other person interprets differently. And I was like, is this a really, really good English translation is um, like, was there an effort to carry over and localize a lot of these things or were they just brought in with the, the localization?
0: I definitely think there were some localized choices. Like, translating captain haddock's insults alone Mm, probably was mm. a team effort i was always a fan of billions of blue blistering barnacles as an epithet
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) um but there was definitely some words in his insults where i'm just like you know i just glazed over that as a kid but i kind of want to google that now because those are definitely not words in my vocabulary
2: right right but that was that was the one thing i was like you know if if I had any sort of understanding of French, I would be super curious to see what was changed and altered and, and um, tweaked not only um, when it was localized at the time, Mm -hmm. but I assume probably maybe some of it has been retooled over the years. It's just a guess on my part, but
0: that's definitely a question. I think besides the, uh, the absolute minstrel interpretation of the one black character in the entire book that shows up for just a corner of a panel um the other uh oh look brown people are not like white people moment was when they were like on this tropical island and they see some uh human remains just the skulls right. and the bones picked clean by time and the sun and their first thought was like ah yes cannibals <laughs>
2: I was like they wait must a minute <laughs> okay why how did we leap to this like this is let's unpack this because this does not seem okay
0: mm. um,
1: they come standard with every tropical island back in those days <laughs> I don't know what to tell you <laughs>
0: Well, I was also interested to see the prevalence of the, the sharks as a danger because um, I think, at, at least in America, the understanding of sharks as a threat, which was f- statistically false and def- narratively overblown, is all because of the film Jaws. But so oh, so reading, yeah. reading this, it was interesting to see like, oh, no, 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 anti-shark propaganda has a long and varied history. <laughs> it wasn't just Jaws. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah like the author definitely has it out for animals like i thought about this like you've got you've got the sharks right mm. and you've got these annoying parrots that the captain definitely wants to murder and then i just appreciated or found it shocking that Hellboy's um that monkey's got a gun moment mm. was not the first that monkey's got a gun moment mm. <laughs> these
1: monkeys were teaming up too. like one yeah. of them was holding, holding the stock of the rifle. One was supporting the barrel. And...
2: Yeah. It was a, it was a real fire. It was a real fire team effort of, um, <laughs> of monkeys. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, appreciated that. Um, so Nick, you're going to read lot. them
0: in order. Or are you going to pick and choose?
2: Gosh, that's, that's a really tough one for me. Cause there definitely are a couple that really look super interesting. Um, uh, I mean, Wikipedia noted obviously, and as you got it as well, that there's a just in, a pretty insane amount of research that went into a lot of these mm-hmm. for what are children's books. Yep. Uh, in terms of, um, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Harsha didn't get everything right uh-huh. clearly, <laughs> and there are some. How should we blanket statement this? Uh, problematic cultural sensitivities here and there. Mm. But, um, and maybe this is why I want to read this book first. Uh, Apparently uh, he did a ton of research and I think even talked to some space scientists for Tintin goes to the moon Mm. where hopefully he cannot be racist. (laughs) I'm hoping, (laughs) or, or or he can and uh i'm just interested to see uh about that but um that was one that it sounded like there was a lot of research that went into it and and um that one looked super fun so there's a few that i think i might want to try first and then there's a couple where i just look at the titles and i'm like i think this one could go to some uncomfortable places Mm. and um yeah yeah so
1: I have every confidence that they can cram some kind of horrifying stereotype into <laughs> Tintin goes to, to the moon. The
0: ghost to the moon. I mean, you're going to find out. Um, one, yeah. one that I haven't one that I haven't read in a while that I thought about recommending for us, but then I was like, I don't I don't have the time to read this and see if it holds up to my memory. I, I remember uh, Tintin in Tibet being okay. not as problematic, but that said i haven't read it since i was a child so very 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 real possibility that i'm just yeah. misremembering but like that's a, that's one of the books where tintin gets like a local buddy for his adventure and that person is as far as i remember not a caricature like is an actual character instead so um anyways uh next episode you can read that one and tell me how wrong i am
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't wait to read the one about the moon and report back next time that we were all horribly uh, wrong very wrong
0: (laughs) oh man (laughs) well again i super 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 appreciate you guys reading uh, reading along with me on this one it was a delightful uh easing back in Uh, from our from our summer break and a nice nostalgia moment for me so i do appreciate all this uh for all our lovely listeners uh please join us for next week's episode where paul kate and kate will be talking about nonfiction comics some of their favorites and some recommendations you can check out the i read comic books podcast on instagram tiktok discord goodreads uh new on youtube and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Infinity shred is the best. They do our music. Xander will send shivers down your spine, but as a little treat. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And until next time, comics are good and so are you. kill mike for that xander sign off that was like borderline creepy
1: (laughs) we're gonna have to go to hr with that one